Today's reading comes from the book of Galatians, chapter 5. For you were called to freedom, brothers and sisters. Only do not use your freedom as an opportunity for self-indulgence, but through, the lo- but through love become slaves to one another. For the whole law is summed up in a single commandment. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. If, however, you bite and devour one another, take care that you are not consumed by one another. Live in the Spirit, I say, and do not gratify the desires of the flesh. For what the flesh desires is opposed to the Spirit, and what the Spirit desires is opposed to the flesh. For those, for these are opposed to each other, to prevent you from doing what you want. But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not subject to the law. Now the works of the flesh are obvious. Fortification, impurity, licentiousness, idolatry, sorcery, enmities, strife, jealousy, anger, quarrels, dissensions, factions, envy, drunkenness, carousing, and things like these. I am warning you, as I warned you before, those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. By contrast, the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, generosity, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. There is no law against such things, and those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. If we live by the Spirit, let us also be guided by the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, competing against one another, envying one another. I have a uh, unique problem, I think. Uh, it's, it's something that happens when people find out that you are a professional Christian. And when they find out that I'm a pastor, all of a sudden they uh, sort of change the way they behave around me. You know, we'll be uh, sitting next to each other on the plane, enjoying good conversation about um, the Super Bowl or about baseball or you name it. And then all of a sudden they ask the inevitable question, what do you do? And I want to (laughs) lie. You know, I want to say, I, uh, you know, I don't know. I I work at a grocery store, Uh, something, you know, normal and good and and, and not, I'm I'm not a pastor at all. I'm not a pastor. Because as soon as they find out I'm a pastor, all of a sudden they sort of, you know, sit upright and they sort of say, oh, well, then I... um, Tell me more about God. And you're like, oh, goodness gracious. Really, we're going to go down this road together. Um, As soon as you kind of go public with your faith, uh, people all of a sudden begin uh, treating you differently or thinking certain things about you. They begin to have these uh, kind of assumptions about how you can act or what you can say or what you can do or what you can't say or what you can't do. And if you haven't ran into this yet, um, if if you haven't gotten public with your faith yet, then eventually you will run into this when you go public with your faith. People are going to say, oh, you're a Christian, so you can't drink. Or you're a Christian, so um, you don't really smoke. Sorry, I'm smoking in front of you. Or uh, you're a Christian, so like, you can't have you know, sex before you're married, right? Or anything like that. Um, they have all these assumptions about you as a, as a Christian. And I got this a lot in high school. I got it some when I was in college, and even some in my uh, adult life as well. People were just completely shocked or floored when I would go out to a restaurant and then I'd order like a glass of wine or a beer. They'd be like, but aren't you a pastor? You can't do that. And I'd be like, oh, I didn't get that memo. I'm so, so sorry. Or they'd be like shocked when I'd say like a, a, a naughty word or a bad word. They'd be like, well, you're, you're a pastor. You can't talk like that. And I'm sorry, I didn't get the memo. I didn't know where it said, you know, you can't say that one. Man, I think we as Christians... Sometimes we just, we just get a bad rap. 
Uh, and people have these assumptions about what you, what you have to do or what you have to be. You have to be non-denominational evangelical. And if you're not, they don't know what to do with you. You have to vote Republican in all categories. You can't vote Libertarian at all. If not, they don't know what to do with you. And uh, you can't drink because if you order a beer, they don't know what to do with you. And you can't break the law. This would include speeding. And if you speed, they don't know what to do with you. And you have to work all the time, really enforce that Protestant work ethic. You know, and if you don't, they don't know what to do with you. So today and during the following weeks, I want us to ask one question. Just kind of be, be sitting with this question as we think about how to apply our faith to our life. The question I want us to ask today and over the few uh, next couple weeks is what in the world can we do? What in the world can we do? Uh, this is sort of um, inspired by the song, uh, The Goody Two-Shoes, by the great theologian Adam Ant, right? Don't drink, don't smoke, what do you do? Um, so why do Christians get a bad rap? Why is there this assumption that you, you can't do these things and you have to be the sort of goody two-shoes? At times I think it's because of portions of the scripture that we just heard. Uh, this particular portion of scripture comes out of the book of Galatians. And you might be wondering, <clears throat> Josh, where in the world is Galatians? A great first question. It's first in the, in the New Testament, and it's stuck in some of these smaller books of the Bible that are called the Pauline epistles or the letters. You can remember, go eat popcorn, Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians, and well, Galatians is right there if you find it. Uh, Paul was the author of this, and it was written to a book, um, sorry, written to a group of people who were in an area called Galatia. You don't have to worry about that. It's just a region, and uh, it's just a, a group of people who are Jesus followers. It was primarily written to, to Gentiles in the 40s and 50s, not the 1940s or the 1950s, like the original, like the 40s and 50s. Uh, it was written to people who are outside of the Jewish faith, who want to follow Jesus but aren't quite sure how. And Paul, in a lot of his letters, he has a number of what we're going to call vice lists. These things where he lists out all the naughty things that you shouldn't do. Naughty, naughty. He's got them in Romans 12 and 13, and 1 Corinthians 13, Galatians 5, here today. Ephesians 4, Ephesians 5, 1 Thessalonians 5, 1 and 2 Timothy. He has it in Titus. So it's all over the place. It's one of the reasons why I think Christians get a bad rap. Because there's a lot of these lists of don't do this. Don't do that. Don't do this. Don't do that. Most uh, famously are sort of the, the seven deadly sins that we hear a lot about at time. Things like pride or greed or envy or wrath or lust or gluttony or sloth. Those are usually um, contrasted with the seven virtues, which would be humility, generosity, kindness, patience, purity, temperance or moderation and diligence. Those are taken, uh, the vices are taken out of Proverbs 6, and the virtues are taken out of the book of Isaiah, as we traditionally understand them. So, we should take a deep breath and understand, yes, there are a lot of passages in the Bible that talk about all the things we should not do, all the naughty things I'm going to say, all the sins, all the stuff that is bad, don't do it. There are a lot of passages in the Bible that also talk about ways that Christians should act. And some of the problems with these passages is that they're often held up as sort of the archetype for how Christians should act at all times and all places for all reasons. So, 
This sermon series is called the Extremely Applicable Sermon Series. And if uh, we were not careful, it would be called something far more boring. And so I'm going to abstain from any sort of philosophical conversation. Because, you know, if you were watching this, you'd probably fall asleep. Your eyes would glaze over. You want to take your next step. You want to be challenged in your faith journey or encouraged. And so we're going to forego all of the philosophical conversation and just talk about how do we think about acting as a Christian today. How can we apply these virtue and vice lists that we hear in the scripture? And is the Bible just one big book about all the things that we can't do? Can't eat shellfish. You can't wear mixed fabrics. You can't have sex outside of marriage. You can't, you can't be drunk all the time. You can't, you know, do sorcery. Bummer. You know, you can't, you can't be jealous. Or is there like a different message here that is often being overshadowed by the list of all the naughty things and all the naughty lists. So before we dive into that question and wrestle with it for the rest of our time, I want to offer a word of grace. Because I think as I talk about today, the things that we truly cannot do as Christians, I'll probably end up stepping on some toes. I'll step on my own toes because I'm not a perfect person, and there's times when I mess up. When I was in youth ministry, um, one night this girl came up to me afterwards, and she was just sobbing, just completely racked with guilt. And I could tell something was wrong, and we were uh, talking for a little bit, and then um, she kind of confessed to me that she was so emotionally upset because she had felt pressure to have sex with her boyfriend and did so. And it was her first time, and she felt like she had just totally let God down. She let herself down. She let her family down. She didn't know what to do with this sort of guilt that she was feeling. And I sort of thought about it for a while and um, offered some words of encouragement and grace because I'm not here to tell you that there's a a long list of things that you can and a long list of things that you can't do and that there are sins that are worse than others and yada, yada, yada. I won't go into it. This is what I know is that Jesus talked a lot about a lot of things and he has some incredibly harsh words to say about people who harm children He has some incredibly harsh words to say about people who abuse money. He talks about money more than anything else. He talks about money more than he talks about premarital sex. And when I was saying this to her, she was like, oh, so maybe it's not as big a deal as I'm sort of making it out to be. And I said, maybe it's not as big a deal as you're making it out to be. I think there's grace for all of us, and we're all in need of God's grace. So as I look at these virtue lists and these vice lists, and we talk about these things that Christians can do and things that Christians can't do, please know, if you're hearing this today, that God's grace is available to you. It's sufficient for you, and it sustains us in our life. As we look at these virtue and vice lists, we believe, sort of as Methodists, that it's complicated to talk about. There are certainly moral and ethical principles in the scriptures that transcend their cultural writing in the Bible, and those things should be upheld today. Some of those need to be also understood in their cultural context. So some examples. If you are a Christian, and if you are married, it is not okay to sleep with your neighbor's spouse. It is unethical. It's not a metaphor. If you are a Christian, you should not murder somebody. It's unethical. It's not a metaphor. And if you are a Christian, you should not get blackout drunk. It's unethical. It's not a metaphor. 
Those are some of the naughty things that we shouldn't do. And there are other things that sort of we think are naughty, but when you begin to understand them more, you're like, oh, there's actually freedom there. So if you are a Christian, I want to say today that it is not a sin to get a tattoo. I grew up thinking that it was because of the prophets of Baal who'd mark their bodies and cut themselves. I understood that sort of as a tattoo. But then when you understand a tattoo now, you're like, that's nothing like what the prophets of Baal were doing in the Old Testament. And if you are a Christian, it is not a sin to dance. Friends, I went to um, a very good undergraduate school that made me sign a pledge saying I would not dance because it was a sin. And I really struggled with that because I recalled someone who was after God's own heart, King David, who dances before the entire city of Jerusalem when the Ark of the Covenant is coming in. And God never says, naughty, naughty, David, I told you not to dance. No, in fact, it's something joyous that he does to celebrate God. And so dancing is not a sin. Third, if you are a Christian, it is not a sin to drink alcohol. My favorite example of this is Jesus, who drinks wine. Who's <laughs> at a wedding in Cana, and they run out of wine, and Jesus makes more. It's not a sin to drink alcohol. But why, you might be asking, why are some of these things prohibited as Christian? Why might they be unethical? How are we supposed to apply this? What are we supposed to do as Christians? Is it just a big list of don't do this, don't do this, don't do this, and you can occasionally do these things? How are we supposed to live and apply our faith in the middle of this? Well, I think there's two reasons why there are lists of things that we shouldn't do. Those are, the first one is, we like to think that if we do something physically, that it will not impact me spiritually. We like to think that if we do something physically, it won't impact me spiritually. So you can have sex with whoever you want because that's just a physical thing. It doesn't really impact your spirit. I'm going to show you in a little bit how wrong that statement is. And the second thing we like to say is, we think that our actions are our own personal choices. So I can spend my money on whatever I want because that's just my choice. There's no reason I can't do otherwise. It's entirely not true. So let's look at the first one. People like to think that if they do something physically, it won't impact them spiritually. And nothing could be further from the truth. We are whole people. This idea that like we have a spirit over here and a body over here, and if we do something spiritually, like pray, it only impacts our spirit. And if we do something physically, like get drunk or smoke a cigarette or go out and have sex with other people or whatever it might be that it only impacts our physical body, completely untrue. We are whole people. What we do physically impacts us spiritually, and what we do spiritually impacts us physically. We like to separate them, but time and time again, neurological studies have shown that there's benefits to meditating, and those are physically manifested. And you could Google this instead of me just droning on about how we really are a whole person. This idea that spiritual life and our physical life are separate is a lie. And as we look at the second one, that our actions are personal choices and they're sort of my business, um, nothing could be further from the truth. Our actions, whether we want to admit it or not, impact other people. That's why some of these things are listed as sin. That's what they're called. Sin, the Greek word there uh, is hamartia, it's to miss the mark. And what is this mark that we might be missing when we engage in sin? It's perfect relationship with God and others. And so my quick and dirty definition of sin is anything that breaks relationship 
with either someone you know and are in a relationship with, or God. If you engage in any of those activities, then those things are prohibitive as a Christian because they break relationship with others or God. And so to summarize, as we think about how we should live and what we can do and what we can't do, yes, the Bible has lists of naughty things that serve as warnings to those who follow after Jesus. And yes, the Christian should abstain from some of those naughty things listed. They serve as a warning for a reason. And yes, some of those naughty lists no longer function the way they used to in their cultural context. And yes, we should abstain from some of those naughty things because they are sinful and sin is missing the mark. And that mark is perfect relationship with God and others. And so when we damage that relationship, we're sinning and we're in need of God's grace. So, is that all? Can the Christian life be boiled down to a list of do this and don't do that? And the answer wholeheartedly is no. Absolutely not. The Christian life cannot be boiled down to a list of do's and don'ts. What it's ultimately about, and what we're going to be discussing in this series, what it's ultimately about is the freedom that we have in Jesus. And the question becomes, what do you do once you're free? And so may God's Spirit come and guide our conversation and guide our actions that ultimately will work to restore our relationship with others and God with that freedom we have in Christ. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen.